0: Please take your Bibles with me, and we're going to turn to the middle of your Bible, or your device, to Psalm 111. So one, one, one. And I'm just going to uh, entitle this message, a Thanksgiving song." and you'll notice there's no outline provided in your bulletin today, uh, and that's actually by design. Our hope is to just just work through this psalm, these 10 verses, verse by verse. And I hope that you'll be blessed by that as I have been in preparation for it this week. Psalm 111, follow along with me as I read. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in Him. Full of majesty, splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people, the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with the faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand your word and help us to see the blessing that comes by having grateful hearts. We add our gratefulness as we think of how you've answered our prayers and worked in Isaiah's Uh, life, and and now just giving him, as he said, his life back, and and may he and Morgan just enjoy these days ahead of them. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know uh, what your dining experience has been like over the years, Uh, and if you like to go to a nice restaurant where there is music playing, but I can think of a different season in my life where Melody and I lived in Flint, Michigan, and we ministered there, And about 30 minutes north was this little oasis of a town called Frankenmuth. Anyone ever heard of Frankenmuth? I see those hands. It's a wonderful little cultural town that is set in in German Bavarian architecture. And when you go there, there are two famous restaurants. On one side of the road is something called Zinders, and the other side is something called the Bavarian Inn. And there's this wonderful German architecture. When you walk in, the, the waitresses and the waiters are all dressed in this German garb. And they've got these, what they call, world-famous chicken dinners. Well, the chicken's pretty good. And they've got mashed potatoes and corn. But my favorite was the butter noodles. Remember that? That was fantastic. Now, if you went in the evening, there was a special feature There was this woman that would walk around the dining area that had this large accordion, and her personality was as full as the sound that came from this instrument. And she would go through this dining room looking to bless you with her musical skill. And she'd say, hey, do you you, you know anyone or any songs that you want us to, to play for you? And I'm like... How about roll out the barrels? I don't know what other song would work but the accordion. So there she is playing roll out the barrels. And, and I don't know how much that enhanced our dining experience, but it surely has given us a wonderful memory from eating there. Well, in our psalm today, in Psalm 111, what we have is a song that would have been acquainted with a meal. And not just any meal, but for the Jew, it was the Passover meal. It was among the most, if not the most, important festivals or meals that they would eat annually. And it symbolized the time in which the Israelites were delivered from the Egyptian rule. And there was supposed to be a spotless or a a pure lamb that was killed and a blood was sprinkled or smeared over a doorpost. And when the death angel would come, and would bring death upon a family, he would look to see if there was blood over that doorpost. And if there was, then he would pass over onto the next house and see if there was blood there. And so each year, a good Jew or Israelite people would sit down and they would observe this day. And they would have a meal. And during that meal, they would... Sing a song. Do you remember even when Jesus, in the gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, after they had observed the Lord's Supper, after they had taken the Passover festival, it says in Matthew 26:30 and when they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. What hymn did they sing? Some believe it was actually Psalm 111. So what I'd like us to do today is just work through this passage. You know, whenever you teach from the Bible, you realize that there are all sorts of different literature offered there. If you are teaching from a letter that Paul wrote, then then you understand that he is bringing an argument, and you need to understand the context and understand the points of his argument, and you teach it accordingly. And if you are teaching, say, a narrative, say, the, the Gospels, or a story of, of, of David slaying Goliath. Well, you need to understand that this is a story, and then you're going to teach that a little bit differently. And, and when you read the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, and there's some symbolism there, well, you teach that differently as well. And here you have a song. Imagine I gave you an assignment, and I said, I want you to look in your hymnal, for Amazing Grace, and I want you to teach a lesson on Amazing Grace. I don't know about you, but I think that would that kind of be a struggle. How do you teach something like that? So for me, as I look at this song, I always go back to, let's just bring it verse by verse to you. And so that's my aim this morning. Let's look at Psalm 111, and I'm going to give you four different words that are going to serve as an outline that I've just kind of written off on my margin. So we first look at Psalm 111. Let's look at the first few words. Praise the Lord. And I think that's the theme of this entire psalm. Praise the Lord. How many of you know Hebrew? Okay. You're going to learn a Hebrew word that you already know. And what is it? It's hallelujah. Hallel means to praise. La means God. And so what you have here is praise the Lord is the Hebrew word Hallelujah. And so the first word I would encourage you to write down if you're taking notes or you want to write in your margin like I have is the word example. Look with me at the next part of verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. What you have here is either a music leader or the leader of, of this congregation that is prepared to read or to sing this song. So the first thing he says is praise the Lord and the congregation may have been with him or not with him, but he says in a very definitive way, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Whether you're with me or not, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I think that's a wonderful picture there. You'll note there that he says, with my whole heart. Psalm 111 is what's called an alphabet song. Let's imagine I gave you a second assignment this morning. And I said, what I want you to do is I want you to write a song and have 26 lines in it. And every line is to start with a different letter of the alphabet. So your first line might be awesome. God, you are awesome. The second line might be beautiful, beautiful. That is who you are. You are wonderful and beautiful. And the third line might be see, confess. I must confess my sin to you. That's what we have here in Psalm 111. We have 22 lines. And there are 22 characters in the Hebrew alphabet. And every one of these lines begin with a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And what do you think the purpose of this is? I will give thanks with my whole heart. I think it's this. God, I want to express appreciation and gratitude to you in the fullest sense I possibly can. So I'm going to use Every letter of my alphabet to praise you. That is a wonderful picture for us. I'm not coming to you with a divided heart. I'm coming to you entirely. Now, I use the word example. I said, consider the word example off in your margin. Because I think that's precisely what we have in the leader of this psalm. He says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I don't know about you, but there's times within my own family where I'm going through the evening or maybe it's a day off and, and things just seem amiss. Maybe, maybe people just seem to be on edge and they're not being patient with one another and there's not kind words with one another. It is not unusual for me to say, I guess, hey, let's, let's just put everything down. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and we're going to sit around and we're going to read a few verses. And we're going to have a word of prayer together. And I'll tell you why. Because I just sense that things are not right in this home right now. And it's not unusual for us to say, grab the hymnals as well. And we're going to sing a few songs together. And we're going to align our hearts. And I assure you that I am not the best singer, but I will be the loudest singer when we do that. And I want, I want to say, I'm going to set the example here and we are going to worship the Lord in our home. And I don't know that there's ever been a time where we, when we, we step away from that and things have changed within our house. This week, I, I heard of a, a wonderful story that has challenged me this whole week. It's of a, a, a Bible president by the name of William Still who was president of the University of Aberdeen in Scotland. And this professor still, or president still, would notice that at the beginning of every semester, his phone or his mailbox would be flooded with concerned parents who had just sent their little Johnny or little Susie there to school for the first semester, and they were saying, Please, please. Make sure they're going to class. Please make sure they're going to chapel and to church. Please make sure they have surrounded themselves with godly peers. And after a while, President Still said, you know what, I've done that. And here's what I found out. If a family during the upbringing of those children will practice three different things, I find out that I don't need to be a private investigator. He said, the first thing that I found is the parents that just pray passionately for the souls of their children, I have found that that is one thing that God honors. The second thing I have found, that if a family, mom and dad, will set, here it is, an example for them, not of perfection, but of consistently living out the gospel in their life. And the third thing I found is that if the, that mom and dad will teach them precepts, will read the Bible, will teach the Bible to their family. I have found consistently, not in all cases, but consistently those are the kids that come to the university here and they don't need to be tracked down and chased down. They're the ones that are already surrounding themselves with godly influences. They're the ones that are already in spiritual disciplines and, and going to chapel and to church. The first word I see here is the word example. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Here's the second word I would give you by way of outline here in the second part of verse 1. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, and listen to this, in the company of the upright in the congregation. So I'm not doing this in isolation. I'm not doing this from a deer stand entirely. I am doing this among other people. Now it's, I think it's insightful to realize that the first word there, in the company, is a. It speaks of a gathering that is more private. It's like a family gathering. There is a second word here that is used, and that is the word congregation. Whereas the word companies refers to a small gathering, the word congregation refers to a large public gathering. So here's the word picture. Remember, this is a song that is being sung around the Passover meal. And when that Passover was offered, it was not only in a temple courtyard, a large gathering, but you remember the the story of Jesus. There was also a time where he would do that in a small gathering, among family, among friends, in the upper room. So as we praise the Lord, as we thank God, We want to do that, not only in a large room like this, but also in a small group, in a small room where we're getting to know one another closely. Now there is some affirmation that we receive when we go in a large group, isn't there? I think it was last November, our boys and I, we went down to Camp Randall, we went to a football game there, and and we were raising our voices and, and cheering for the red and white. We were raising our voices and and we were encouraging the refs to do a better job, you know. <laughs> and when we came away from that game, we were like, that was really fun. We were doing that united, right? And that's what this is supposed to be, y'all. It's, it's supposed to be we are, we are singing to God, but we are benefiting from one another. And so we not only do that in a large group, but we also do that in a small group. I'll tell you, I'm just being honest with you, one of the highlights of my week is Sunday evening. and We get together, and and I'm encouraging all of you to find either a Sunday school class at 9 o'clock or a home group that meets on Sunday evening and just gather. In our group that meets in our house, we've got great diversity. Uh, We've got some younger people. We've got little kids. We've got those widowers. And and many of us are in different life situations, but it all comes together. And I would tell you, of that time, the highlight of that time is when we pull away and the guys go off into the office and the girls stay there in the living room and the guys were like, okay, what's really going on this week? And how can we pray for one another? It is a sweet time. And that's what I want each of you to experience. Not only this worshiping in a large group, but you have to have a small group where you're doing that as well. So first example, the second is together, and then let's look at a third word here. We find it in verse 2. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Now you think about this for a little bit with me. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. What do the people do that delight in God's works? Do you see it there? They study. Now, before we can understand all of this verse, I think we need to spend some time considering the word works. Because this is a theme that we see throughout this psalm. We'll see it in verse 4. He has caused us wondrous works to be remembered. We will also see it in verse 6. He has shown us people the power of his works. We'll also see it in verse 7. The works of his hands are faithful. Now if you're kind of new to the Bible, that's okay. I'm really glad that you are here. So let me just unpack for you what he means by works here. We do understand that this Bible, as you start reading it, in particular in the Old Testament, is a Jewish book. And we're like, this doesn't necessarily. This doesn't seem to be written for an American's perspective, and you would be right. So we get to we get to follow along with the Jewish story, who becomes our story in the person of Jesus. So as they are reflecting on this song of the significance of God's works, what are they referring to? Well, there was an old man whose name was Abraham. And Abraham was way past child-rearing age or child-bearing age. But God said to him, I will make of you a great nation and will bless you and make your name great. And God answered that and he fulfilled that promise. And by the time we get to the second book of the Bible, the Israelites are there by the millions. But they are under siege or under control of the Egyptians. So when we say works here, we're also referring to how God delivered His people from the Egyptians. And He used that through ten plagues. And these ten plagues gave God an opportunity to show how much stronger He was than all the Egyptian gods. These works here also refers to that Passover festival where God spared those who had the blood of a spotless lamb sprinkled over their doorframe. This works here also speaks about how God led the Israelites and parting the Red Sea. And when the Egyptian soldiers tried to follow them, they were drowned as the walls of water collapsed upon them. This word works here also speaks of how God supplied his people's needs by bringing water from a rock and bread from heaven. It speaks also of how God sent Moses up on a mountain and how God gave him the law or commands to live by. It speaks of how God revealed himself to Moses, that he is sovereign in grace and mercy, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiver of sin and a punisher of guilt. It speaks of how God said, I want you to create a tent. This is a location where my presence will reside and you come and you worship me. It speaks about this sacrificial system where men and women could have their sins forgiven. It would also speak of the justice of God and how priests might offer strange fire by way of worship and God struck them down and how he would judge those who complained about the conditions and provisions that God had provided. It speaks of how God leveled the city of Jericho with a marching band, but not before saving a prostitute named Rahab by grace who had come in fear and believed. It speaks of how God cleansed the land of the Canaanite idolatry so that his people could come and experience a holy inheritance among the nations. And it speaks of how God offered this promised land to his people, that was filled with milk and honey. Now, when we read the Scriptures, think of a pair of glasses. There is one lens that is in the Old Testament, but if we want to read with Bible glasses, we have another lens with the New Testament. And when we put them together, we see one person in every verse, and it is Jesus. So when we see this passage or works on this side of the Old Testament, we see, like God did to Pharaoh, Jesus dismantled, dismantled the principalities of darkness. And, and God still protects his people from death with lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He still provides daily bread for his own. And when people thirst. God provided that living water by squeezing the rock, who was Jesus Christ. In order to keep his commandments, God has conducted a spiritual heart transplant, replacing our sinful, fleshly hearts with new hearts controlled by his spirit, enabling us to obey. And he has more than a temporary tent for us, but he is preparing a heavenly home. So when we look at Psalm 111, yes, we see the word works in its context, referring to the deliverance of the Israelites, but we also apply a New Testament lens and we say, this is also speaking about Jesus fulfilling all of that. Now, having said that, let's look at verse 2 again. Greater are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in him. Here's the third word for you, and it's the word study. If you want to be a true worshiper, you pause and you consider God's work in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, and in your personal life. You, you slow down, and you, you ask for, for to see God, how he is working in your life, in your family's life, and within your church and you give credit for that. As I've thought about that verse, what a magnificent verse that is. It's made me think, I wish I could take school all over again. If I knew what I knew now, I mean, just, just to be able to see, I exist to worship and glorify God. And when I was four or five years old, and, and I learned one plus one equals two, I would have said, well, that speaks of how God is absolute. And when I learned a seed being planted in dirt and the process of how that grows growth, I would have said, God, you work through the laws of science. And when I learned through history, American history, world history, family history, I would be able to see the, the providential hand of God in all of that. It would make me even a greater worshiper. But I still can go back and relearn some of these things as well and see how God his work through all of this. And we study that. And we appreciate that. I can think of a time not long after I became a Christian. I was up there in, in University of Wisconsin Stout. And I'd also fell in love with Jesus, but I kind of like musky fishing as well. It, it, and one weekend, I decided I'm going home from college. I'm going back to Bruce, where I was from. And right across the street from where my family lived, just down a mile or so, was what is called the Chippewa River, a great fishing river. And so I made arrangements as the leaves were changing into yellows and reds. I made arrangements to put the john boat, a 14-foot john boat, up at I'm Alone. That don't mean anything to you, but it means a lot to the locals. And there I was dropped off. And I'd start floating this river for about five or six hours. I had a nine-foot Rizzo musky rod as well as an Abu Garcia bait-casting rod, and I was casting a bucktail trying to land a fall musky. And as I had fished for about an hour, I looked over my left shoulder down towards the river, a place that I was going, and I saw about an eight-point buck swimming across that river. And I was just melted. I thought, God... You are magnificent. As I look at these beautiful leaves that are changing, here I'm fishing, doing what I really like to do. You have allowed me to see this. And I just paused, and I studied that, and I said, God, I'm going to worship you as a result of this. I think it was Thursday this week, and I was in my office, and I decided to come down here, and maybe I was going to get some water or something like that. And, and who do I see out in the entryway? Who I always see in the entryway is Randy. <laughs> And there he is working as he is usually doing and, and there he is installing a TV and I said, Randy, how's how's this day going for you? And he said, This is this has been a great day. And so I said, Well, I see you're installing a TV. Yeah. You know, this is a project that's that's really set aside for more of an electrician within our church, but he's not able to come, so I just said, I'm gonna pray, and I'm saying, God, would you help me with this project? Randy gave me permission to share this story. As he was, as he was working on this project, he was aware of, of some challenges that he would face. And one of them, I don't know if he expected, but as he was unscrewing something, there was a screw that fell between the drywall and, and where the studs were. And it, it dropped down to the bottom. And he's like, now how in the world am I going to get that? And then the thought came to his mind about a magnet. Well, okay, then how am I going to get the magnet down there? And then I thought, I came to his mind about some wire. And he just saw God just leading him in that. He put a wire down to the magnet. He dropped it down that hole. And would you believe it? He got a hold of that screw and he brought it up through that, that wall. And as I was talking to him about that, I could just see his face was just a glow. Because he was worshiping God as he was installing this TV for you and I and our guests as they were coming through. And I and that's what I would want for you. That's, that's what I want for myself, to say, I don't need to worship God only on Sunday mornings. But I can worship God as I'm doing the dishes, as I'm changing a diaper, as I'm getting the mail, as I'm reading my Bible. I want to worship God. I want to pause and I want to think, how is God at work? And I want to study because I the light in him. All right. Well, I've taken a lot of time on the first two verses. Let me just kind of work through the remaining ones here. Verse three says, full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. Now, I had read to you a number of verses that included the word works, plural. But you see that verse three says, uh, full of splendor and majesty in his work, singular. Do you think that the Bible writer meant that intentionally? Oh, he certainly did. And what did he mean by that? There is one work that is greater than any other work that God has done. You know what it is? It's to take you, dirty sinner, rotten, destined to hell, and to save you to allow you to have a relationship with him, to live out your purpose, to worship and to glorify him. No wonder the song says, full of splendor and majesty. Verse 4 says, he has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. And maybe this particular Thanksgiving on 2020, God's grace would manifest itself in your life, that you would remember His gracious works in your life. Verse 5 says, He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. Now, context would suggest that that must mean manna, bread that came down from heaven. That must mean water that sprung forth from rock. But the word food here in verse 5 can also be translated meat. Context would suggest that what they are praising God for in this song is they are praising God for the Lamb, the Passover Lamb that would allow them to be spared from judgment. With New Testament eyes and the Old Testament eyes, we see Jesus here. And we say, we thank God that you have provided Jesus for us to have forgiveness of sins. Verse 6 says, he has shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. I think the inheritance of the nations refers to this promised land that was occupied at the time with other nations, but God has granted that to them. Verses 7 and 8 kind of go together. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with the faithfulness and uprightness. There is a correlation between God's word and his work. God never does anything apart from his word. And his word is trustworthy. Verse 9, he sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Verse 9, he has sent redemption. Redemption to the original singer might refer to, hey, we've been delivered from the Egyptians As we read this, we say we've been delivered from sin and the power of sin. And then we get to the final word that I would leave with you in verse 10. And if you're following along, I'd encourage you to write the word fear there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's as if there's an invitation here that not everyone present this morning, not everyone that is reading this psalm is able to sing with everyone else. Several weeks ago, we were doing two different services. We had an 815 service and something like a, a 1045 service. So on one particular morning, there was this large gap. The first service had ended and, and Scott said, hey, anyone that wants to come up here, and we're just going to go through some old choir songs together. And so I was meandering back and forth from my office and I come through these doors and, and here were a few people singing and I saw uh, Big John over here. He says, Get up here. Get up here and sing. And I, I, I can't sing. No, we need you. We want you, to, we want you to join in the anthem of just singing to God. I felt so unworthy, but I, I came over here and sat. And I assure you, I cannot sing parts at all. And I didn't contribute much. Well, the only thing I would have contributed is, is bringing the choir down. I'm quite sure of that. But there was something to say, you know what? I get to sing this too. And I'm a part of this song as well. And there's an invitation for you today if you've never trusted Christ. Here's the word, fear the Lord. What does that mean? It means first just to acknowledge that He is God and that His word is true. So what He says is accurate. And if He says to you, He cares for you and He has sent Christ to die for you, It would be wise for you to take him up on that offer. Something else the fear of the Lord says is that he will make good on his word of warning. And that if you choose to say, I don't want any relationship with you, he will honor that request, not only in this life, but for eternity. Humble yourself today. Humble yourself and say, I need you to save me of my sins. I want Jesus to be the king of my life. With his help, I want this transplant where I receive a spiritual heart and I can follow Jesus all the days of my life. The fear of the Lord, if you think of a ladder, is the first rung on that ladder. You must honor and respect God and his word before you can grow at all in a Christian life. And if the Christian life were a university, the prerequisite class for all the other classes would be a class called Fear the Lord. You must understand who God is and His Word. And it's there where you understand that, that you could grow in other ways in the Christian life. So here is the invitation for you today. Let us thank God. Let us say, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and in the congregation. And if you find yourself here this morning saying, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not able to sing that song. I want to invite you to do that today. You can pray with me right now. The rest of you can join me in prayer. Just a, a prayer of thankful, thankfulness as Scott and uh music team, uh, uh, come forward and get ready for our invitation. Lord, I thank you that during Thanksgiving we can go to a, an assortment of passages and say, what would you have us to do this Thanksgiving? We see here in Psalm 111 an invitation to embrace this song. Say, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to thank you with my whole heart for who you are and what you've done. And this song is available to all of us who have had our sins forgiven, who have trusted Christ to save us. And so I would pray for those maybe viewing online or here in person that have never done that, that they would. So let me just share a few words. If you're not a Christian this morning, I invite you to do that. You could say something like, God, I do fear you. I do respect you. I believe your word to be true. You are holy. You are good and you judge sin. And I am a sinner. So I, wanna, I want forgiveness of my sins. And I, I realize that that is only possible through the Lamb of God, Jesus, who came and shed his blood. And he made it available to me that I could be forgiven. And I want to live for you the rest of my days. I want to repent of my sins. And whatever you want of me is what I want. In Jesus' name, amen.